0: Hello, everyone. It's Monday, and we are back in the book of Luke. We're going to be looking at chapter 19 today. Things that we're going to be looking at. Jesus is going to be entering a town called Jericho, which is just a little east of um, Bethany and, and, um, and in Jerusalem. Je- Jesus is making his way to Jerusalem, and he stops through um, a town called Jericho. It was kind of a resort town according to what McGee says. Perhaps a little like Las Vegas today as a resort town. A lot of folks lived there who were tax collectors and things like that. In any event, Jesus is going to meet Zacchaeus. It's that Bible story that we all heard about as as kids. Well, this is where it comes from. And then we get another parable about the parable of the ten minas. Mina is an amount of payment. It's about three months of a salary for a laborer, um, about a hundred drachmas. So in any event, I just think of it as about three months wages. So we're going to hear a little bit about that, about what money, uh, a parable about using money, and also a parable that says that the kingdom is not gonna occur now, but it's going to occur when Christ returns it's an interesting parable because Zacchaeus was a tax collector and was handling money, and uh there was a lot of people criticizing Jesus for eating uh dinner with Zacchaeus because he dealt with a lot of money, so the parable of the ten minutes has to do with using money, okay, which is here to tell us that money in and of itself is not bad, it's the heart of the person who's using the money. So the money's not the problem, it's the heart of the person. So it's a parable that really addresses what's going on with how people would see Zacchaeus, but it's also a parable about when the kingdom is going to occur because people are now, as Jesus is getting closer and closer. To Jerusalem, I think a lot of the expectation was probably mounting for him to come into Jerusalem and take control and to use his powers to put the Romans down, or he was going to come and give teachings that would cause an uprising, and they were going to throw the Romans out and reestablish the kingdom. You know, this is the Messiah everybody's been waiting for, so they're expecting the messiah to do great things that probably had the romans a little bit on edge it probably had some of the religious leaders on edge because he's claiming to be something that they're not agreeing with and he's completely bypassing them and their authority and the people are flocking to him rather than them so It's going to be a little bit of that, and then we're going to see Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, and then he's going to cleanse the temple. So we'll jump right in. Um, Verse 1, chapter 19. He entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was chief tax collector and was rich, and he was seeking to see Jesus. But on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry up and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So, He hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. So these are the other Pharisees and tax collectors who were jealous and grumbling. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord. Half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything I restore it fourfold. Now all these people who were seeing that he had gone to Zacchaeus's house, what's going on? Well, they're judging Zacchaeus. They're not supposed to judge, and they're grumbling They're missing the joy of Jesus' presence here. Um, And they're grumbling because um, the people are following Jesus uh, in a way. And Zacchaeus um, meets with the Lord Jesus. Now, McGee teaches that. What do they talk about? Well, they talk about the money and they talk about things. McGee says... He was, it's his opinion that Jesus probably went in and told him his, you know, that he forgave him, you know, after Zacchaeus is probably pouring his heart out to him. I mean, Jesus goes to Jericho to find Zacchaeus. So, he probably, he might even have told him that he's going to be crucified. Who knows? But Jesus shares the gospel with him and Zacchaeus gives everything to the poor he stands up perhaps like making a pledge but it shows that Zacchaeus's heart has changed it shows the status of his heart it doesn't show the status of his money it shows the status of his heart and Jesus said to him today salvation has come to this house since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Okay, so the answer to the gospel message is salvation. So this is a teachable moment here for everyone around them. And um, now we're going to hear the parable of the ten men is having to do with money and when the kingdom will be reestablished or established. Verse 11, and as they heard these things, you know, these are the people around, tax collectors, Pharisees, as they hearing these things, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. So he's trying to tell them that I'm not going to Jerusalem to start the kingdom of God right now because I'm coming this time. To die for you. He said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minutes and said to them, Engage in this business until I come. So again, the focus is when he comes back. And if Jesus is sort of analogous to this king, and he's going to get this kingdom. But he's not really going to establish this kingdom until he returns. And that's what Jesus is sort of setting the setting their expectation. But in the meantime, he's giving them gifts. He's giving them things to use. Now, you can look at it as money or talents or what their heart's going to be. But he's giving them different people are going to have different money. And some people are going to use a a small amount one way, or some people are going to use what they receive, not at all. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minutes and said to them, Engage in business until I come. So it just shows you that, you know, doing business with money is not being looked at here as negatively. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, okay? there's people who did not like this new king, Okay, <clears throat> but when he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first came before him, saying, Lord, your minna has made ten minnas. And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you have been faithful in a very little. You shall have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, your minna has made five minnas. And he said to him, You were to be over five cities. And then another came, saying, Lord, here is your minna, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief. <clears throat> For I was afraid of you because you're a severe man. Now, the, my study Bible translates "severe" means uh, it, it doesn't mean selfish or unfair, but rather um, strict and holding to high standards. Um, so strict in requirements or exact, exacting. So, again, my study Bible also says this is not an an intended description of Christ because we see Christ as abundantly generous and gracious. So, either the servant doesn't know his master very well or he's simply just making up excuses for his own failure. You take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. So, again... He's making excuses to the master. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words. Okay, so I'm going to use your own excuses on you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man or an exacting man or a um, man of high standards, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you, you know, if that's what you thought... Why then did you not put my money in the bank? And at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. You might have used it for a little bit of something good. And he said to those who stood by, Take the minute from him and give it to the one who has ten minutes. And they said to him, Lord, he has ten minutes. You know, like, why are you going to do that? He's got the most stuff. And I tell you that to everyone who has more, Who has more will be given, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. But as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. Okay, so we see the reestablishment of his kingdom on this when he comes back, and then he's going to judge what people have done by their hearts. And he's also going to judge the people who are the enemies. So it shows you about um, the reestablishment of Christ's kingdom. Or the, as he establishes it when he comes back. Not the first time, but the second time. So down uh, verse 28. And when he said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. Uh, when he drew near to Bethage and Bethany at the mountain called the Olivet. That's the Mount of Olives. Um, he sent two of the disciples saying, Go into the village in front of you where on entering it you will find a colt tied and which no one has ever sat untied and bring it here. As any, if anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? You shall say this, The Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away, they found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. Now, whether or not he had made prior arrangements and he was just sending them ahead, because it does say in earlier scripture that he made some arrangements. But um, or this is another miracle that he is sort of saying, like, this is what it's you're going to do. And if you just, you know, you know, trust me. Uh, you'll find these things. McGee makes the point that he thinks that Jesus had just made prior arrangements, and the real uh, value here is that he's showing uh, that these people that he'd made arrangements with are trusting him, you know, not—they're just trusting him because of their faith in their heart. And and uh, he had already talked to them, and, and they donated their cult. Um Either way, we see these guys acting in faith. And so um, they brought it to Jesus, throwing on their cloaks on the colt, and they set Jesus on it, and and as he rode along, along, they spread their cloaks on the road, and he was drawing near, as he was drawing near, already um, on the way down the Mount of Olives. The whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice. For all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. So now they're calling him king. And my study Bible says from here on out, Luke refers to the Lord Jesus as king. And um, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Okay, And again, they're missing the joy. Um, and they're trying to shut the joy down. They've missed all the miracles. Their hearts are completely wrong. And this these are the people he probably was talking about that had received the ten minutes, but did nothing with the menace. Or maybe they were the representative of the people who did not want to be ruled by the king. So he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And when he drew near he saw the city, he wept over it, saying, what that you even you had known would would that you even you had known on this day the things that make for peace in other words he's talking to Jerusalem as a whole like you know if you even knew what it would take to bring peace you would you would find you know if you even knew that i i'm coming to die how sorry you would be But now they are hidden from your eyes, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side. Uh, My study Bible says that that might be alluding to the fact that Rome will eventually um, destroy the city. And tear you down to the ground and you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you, because you did not know the time of your visitation. And as he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold, saying to them, It is written, My house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. And he was teaching daily in the temple, and the chief priests and the scribes and the principal men of the people were seeking to destroy him. But they did not find anything that they could do, for all the people were hanging on his words. So now we have another um, sort of um, um, illustration here that the people, these... um, Uh, Scribes and chief priests are now seeking to kill Jesus. So we are beginning to see the events falling into place that are going to fulfill the prophecy that Jesus has been talking about this whole time, that he is going to be rejected and put to death. So we're going to stop here. Tomorrow, Tuesday, we're going to jump into... Luke chapter 20, as we continue our study through this great book written by Dr. Luke. So from me to all of you, as always, God bless you. Keep your heart centered on Christ, and we'll see you here next time. And now we'll turn the rest of the podcast over to our co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing great. Look forward to hearing your study today.